But right now we're going to jump into our fourth week of a teaching series that we have simply called You Ask For It. And this is a, um, the, the title of this series is really self-explanatory. What we're doing is we're answering questions that you guys have submitted over the course of the last five to six weeks. Uh, about a month and a half ago, we put out some index cards and laid them in the seats or passed them out. I don't really remember how we got them to you. But we were asking for questions that you may have regarding the Bible, regarding faith, regarding God, eternity, whatever, uh, and to allow you an opportunity to submit those anonymously and not feel embarrassed or uneducated for asking a question. And then we want to try to take some time to answer those questions. Now, there were several questions that were submitted We will not have time in the series to get to all of them. And uh, don't think that I'm just taking my favorite ones to answer because these aren't necessarily my favorite ones, but these are the ones that I feel like that we need to spend some time on. Um, And even though you may not have asked your question the way that it may be worded on the screen, your, your question may be answered as we answer some of the other questions just because a lot of those can be summarized with one Question. In week number one, we answered the question, can a Christian lose salvation? That's a very hot topic, and we talked about that. If you missed that, you can get caught up on our website, Facebook page. Week number two, um, we answered the question, how do I hear the voice of God? That is very important. Last week, we went a little bit uh, in a different direction, but it was still an important question. We answered the question, what does the Bible have to say about dinosaurs? Um, Not so much what it has to say about the dinosaurs, but really the discrepancy in time as to when they existed, because science tells us that the earth is billions of years old, but the Bible seems to apply that the earth is only 6,000 years old. So if you missed that, go and check that out today. We are going to answer the question, where did evil come from? The answer, Dover, Arkansas. Just kidding. Okay, just kidding. I had to throw that out there. I had to throw that out there. My wife is from Dover. That's the only reason I picked Dover. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're going to spend some time this morning answering this question, where did evil come from? Um, other questions that may stem from this is, how did evil get here? Um, did God create evil? God created everything, so did He create evil? And if He did create it, then how can He be a good God? These are que- how many ever had questions uh, proposed to you somewhere along this line? Well, how could a good God allow this to happen? Or, you know, you know if God's a good God, then how, why is there evil in the world? So we're going to spend the next little while talking about this question. Now, for those of you who haven't been here, or even if you have, just to recap, there are three governing rules that I use to help me uh, teach on any sort of hot topic or Q&A message. Um, that I use to like govern how I respond and how I answer. The first one is this. If the Bible speaks directly to the topic that we're discussing, we will stand on God's Word and we will not waver. That's what the Bible says. That's what we stand on. Number two, if, we, if the Bible doesn't speak directly to the topic, we will look for principles in, in God's Word that may apply to that topic. Number three, if we cannot find anything directly in God's Word pertaining to the topic and we cannot find principles that may apply, I will simply say this is my personal opinion. Um, You you can either agree or disagree. That's okay. If the Bible is not clear on it, I will say this is my uh, personal opinion. And uh, really, last week there was a lot of uh, my personal opinion in there. Uh, But these are not any things that should divide the church. These are not necessarily essential items to our faith. I believe they're important, but they're not anything that we should say, well, I don't agree with Pastor Scott, I'm leaving the church because he doesn't believe 
in dinosaurs, or he doesn't believe in this or in that. So we want to have some fun with this. Is that okay? And get knowledgeable in how to respond to critics who may question the goodness of our God. Now, we do have to come to the conclusion that sometimes when we're answering a question, we're, we can only go so far until we run into a place, what I call is the unknown. There's, there's, you know, we can chase it down, we can chase a rabbit down a trail so far, and then all of a sudden we're going to get to a place where we say, you know what, that's as far as I can go with answering this question. And I'm okay with unknowns because I'm not God. I'm not God. <laughs> My wife says, amen, you're, you are not God. But, but it shouldn't keep us from trying to pursue um, questions that we have. And, and if you're the one that asked this question or any other question, don't just go by what I say on it. Don't wait till I respond on it to dig into it. Have some fun with it. Dig into God's Word and, and learn as much as you can. So, now before I get into answering this question, I want to ask you a question. Okay, don't answer this out loud. Um, I don't want anybody to turn around and stare at you if your answer is different from theirs. But I want to start with a question really to get your mind open, to get the, the wheels churning. And here's the question. If it hadn't have been for Satan, would Adam and Eve have ever sinned? That's the question. I'm going to take a drink of water and just give you some time to think about that. If it hadn't have been for Satan, would Adam and Eve have ever sinned? Somebody's like, Man, that's a good question. Don't know that I've ever thought about that. For those of you who would say, no, they wouldn't have sinned, you are assuming that they would have lived forever, never making a wrong choice, which would compromise the idea that man was created with free will. For those of you who would say, yes, they eventually would have sinned anyway, are subtly saying that Satan wasn't needed for them to sin. Interesting, isn't it? So let's put our thinking caps on this morning. We're going to have some fun. We're, I'm, I'm going to read a lot of scripture uh, to kind of set this up. I feel like this is very much needed. As I told you last week, if my message bombs, at least we will have read a lot of the Word of God, which has the power to transform our lives. Amen? So let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis. If you can't, have, if you can't find Genesis, you may need some help in your walk with God. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, just uh, look over and find someone with one. They should be a Christian, and I guarantee you uh, they have a, a Bible that can help you out. If this is your first time, I, I joke a lot, and I know people say, well, there's no place for humor in the pulpit. Um, I try to, especially when I'm preaching on a difficult topic, I try to lighten the mood just so people's minds will be receptive. Uh, so sometimes, some of the things I say, just, just kind of look over, okay? Um, all right, Genesis chapter number 1, we're going to begin reading in verse number 26, and then we'll be in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, we're going to skip over to Romans, we're going to read a lot of Bible right off the bat. Here we go, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now there are going to be a few words that I have highlighted, um, you may want to mark in your Bible, these are words that I find very important specifically to the topic that we're asking today. He said, let us make man in our likeness, let them have what? Dominion, that means let them rule and reign over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
over the cattle, over everything that creeps upon the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Once again, here's this word again. Have dominion, rule, reign over everything. Over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, every living thing that moves on the earth. Now let's skip to Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man who had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. That's very, very important. It means to guard it, to protect it. Just a question to keep your wheels spinning. What in the world did he have to protect it from? Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you are surely going to Die. Now let's skip to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now the serpent was more cunning, very important. This word means crafty or shrewd, very intelligent, but more towards the, the side of intelligence that he would try to trick you, that type of intelligence. Then any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You're not going to die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, one last verse before I begin to speak. Romans chapter number 5. This is in the New Testament. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says this. Through one man, speaking of Adam, very first man. Through one man, sin entered the world. And death through sin. And thus death spread to everyone. To all men. Now, from all of these scriptures that I just read, especially this last one here, we know that death is in our world today as a result of one man's sin. We have death because of, of sin. And, and when the Bible says it was talking about death, it wasn't an immediate death because we know that the moment that they ate it, they were still alive. But death, a slow, deteriorating, decaying, slowly fading away, Death affected the world. Our earth, our earth is dying. Everything in the earth is slowly dying. The plants, the trees, humans, animals are slowly dying all as a result of sin. And this sin has spread to everything because of one man's disobedience. That one man's 
sin, which was Adam's. And so it's, it, when answering this question, where does evil come from, automatically we go to the garden, we go to the beginning, we start looking for what we would say is the first sin. And we ask the question, well, where did sin uh, originate? And most people automatically say, well, it, it originated in the garden with, with Adam and Eve. But you have to start answering the, the next question, well, how in the world did, where did it come from? How did, if Satan was there to tempt, how did, how did he get in, in the garden? And, and why was he even uh, an adversary in the first place? Did God create evil? This is like an ongoing question. You say, well, it, it, you, it, it come from the garden. Well, well that's, that's a good answer, but that's not the complete answer. Well, how did it start? How did Satan get in the garden? Where did he come from? Did God create Satan? And if he did, then, then, then why would he create a devil? Those are good questions. And I can answer the first part of that by saying this, that yes, God did create him. But God didn't create a devil. The devil, Satan, hasn't always been the devil. In fact, he was once a powerful, intelligent, beautiful, brilliant, angelic being called Lucifer. Nobody's ever heard that name before, Lucifer. Simply meaning shining one. And he was very good. Matter of fact, everything that God created was good. But Lucifer also had a will with which he could freely choose. And for whatever reason, this is the place we get to where you say, well, why, why, would, why would a created angelic being choose to assert God's authority? I, I can't answer that. So this is part of the, part of the uh, message where I'm going to say, I, I don't know. But I do know that he had free will. He had the opportunity to choose, and he chose to rebel for whatever reason against God. I want, I want to show you a couple of passages in the Old Testament that records this Happening. The first one is in Isaiah chapter number 14, verses 12 through 14. It says this, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, the shining one? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, watch this, this is what Lucifer, this created angelic being, said within. He says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Lucifer, just like Adam and Eve, had a choice. He could accept that God was God or he could choose to make the decision to be God unto himself. Which is still the same choice that you and I are presented with today. We can choose to accept that God is God or we can choose to make a decision that we're going to be our own gods determining what is right and what is wrong. And for whatever reason, he chose to defy God and declared himself to be the Most High. Notice, if you mark in your Bibles in that passage, notice all the I will statements. I will ascend into the heavens. I will ascend above God. I will ascend this. I will do this. I will do that. Pride is what brought him down. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that pride is what goes before the fall. We see another account of this same fall of Lucifer in Ezekiel chapter number 28. Ezekiel 28 verses 13 through 17. Now, I'm taking you here because 
this is where it originates. This is where we see the first sin, if you will. Verse number 13 says this, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Speaking of Lucifer, this, this is one that intrigued me this week. Look at this. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels, timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Right there we know that he was a created being. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, out of the presence of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst, covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before the kings that they might gaze at you. Now, real quickly, we see from Scripture that Lucifer chose on his own to rebel against God for whatever reason. That, what that reason was, I can't explain that. But he chose on his own to rebel against God. And because of this decision, God removed him from heaven and his name was changed from Lucifer, which means shining one, to Satan, which means adversary. However, because he was a created angelic being, Really, the only thing he lost was his access to the presence of God. He's still a very powerful, brilliant, intelligent, cunning, angelic being. Now, now remember, his plan was to rise above God and become God himself. And the Bible says he was there in Eden. Now, how long, how long that before God created man... Before, or how long before God created man was it when he created um, uh, Lucifer? I, I don't know. I can't tell you that. Um, there's a lot of debate on that. Some people think that it was a long time. I, I seem to lean, uh, or lean more towards the side that it was probably just a couple of days. And the reason I lean that way is because uh, he was a created being, and the Bible gives us some sort of a timeline when it says, in the beginning, God created he created the heavens, I believe it was on day four. He created the heavens and stars and the sun. And it's possible that that's when he created all of these angels. I don't know. That's not what's relevant. What is relevant is that it appears that Lucifer was there in the garden during this time. And for whatever reason, even though he had been removed from heaven, he still has access to all of these places on earth to where he could go and present himself to Adam and Eve and try to deceive them. Now remember, his ultimate plan was to overthrow God, to rebel against God. And I believe that he was there when God created the heavens and the earth and gave the authority to Adam. And he was probably even more jealous that um, that, that didn't go to him, but rather it went to man. And he couldn't just take 
charge of the earth without going through the person who had been put in authority over the earth. This brings back the point. Remember, we, we highlighted the word dominion. Who did God give dominion of the earth to? To man. And over everything. And so I believe that that even caused uh, Satan to be even more envious and jealous. And he, he wasn't able to control the earth. So he wanted to gain access. And the only way he could gain access through that, or to that, is through mankind. So Satan came disguised as a serpent. Probably a beautiful creature at the time. That's my take on it. And he deceived Adam and Eve because that's what he does. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but, but Paul, the Apostle Paul, references that the enemy, Satan, is like he comes as an angel of light. See, people have this vivid imagination that they're going to immediately recognize the devil because he's going to be, he have horns and he'll be red and he's got a pointed tail. But no, no, no. He comes as something that looks good, beautiful, he's deceptive. He's, he's an angel of light. Now, we, we could spend a lot of time here, but that's not really what our, our focus is on. Our focus is on where did evil come from? And after what I've just read to you, and I've spent countless hours this week just researching a lot of stuff and reading and reading and reading, and you're only really getting the, uh, the, the, the surface of, of how deep that I went this week. But after, after spending so much time in the, in the Word this week, my response to where did evil come from is this. Evil came as a result of God's creation having free will. Evil came as a response, or as a result of God's creation having free will. Evil does not exist on its own. It's like darkness. Darkness does not exist on its own. Um, if I want to make this room more dark, I can't send someone down to Lowe's and say, hey, can you go get us a a case of darkness, and, and bring it in here so we can darken this room. You, you can't go purchase more darkness. How, how do you make this room more dark? You block out the light. So, so darkness is not something really that exists on its own. Darkness is the absence of light. I believe evil doesn't exist on its own. Evil is the result of not choosing good. And because God's creation had the ability to make their own choices, God ran the risk that they would choose to not obey Him. Well, pastor, why did He do this? Why, why did He give us free will? How many realize that we have free will to make our own choices? We, we do. God, is the, God is the reason why we do that. Why we have that. He created us with free will. And when He created us with free will, I believe He was running the risk knowing that we may choose to not obey Him. Well, pastor, why in the world did he give us free will? I can tell you why. Because if we don't have free will, we can't genuinely love him. And listen, and if he doesn't give us free will, then he doesn't genuinely love us. It's my opinion. Otherwise, if we don't have free will, we're, we're ultimately we're robots. And He's controlling us. It's not love. Love is a choice. And I believe that we have free will today because God loves us so much that He lets us make that own choice ourselves. 
So evil comes as, as a result of not doing good. But God does love us, fortunately, and He lets us make our own choices. And sometimes those choices cause us pain and hardships. Sometimes the choices that we make cause us problems in our relationships. Sometimes the choices that we make cause us to miss out on what's most important in life. Many people don't understand this, but the choices that we make end up shaping who we become. But fortunately, God has given us His Word to guide us. And for those of you who have put your trust in Jesus, not only has He given you His Word to guide you, but He's also given you His Holy Spirit to help you make the right choices and to lead you down the right path. You know, many times when people make bad choices and give in to temptation, they say things like this, well, I just just can't help it. The temptation was too great. Or maybe they even say this. You hear this a lot from kids. I know I I used to use this line. The devil made me do it. (laughs) Did you know that, that that comes by default? Did you know that that's exactly what Adam and Eve said? When God come looking for them in the garden, which is... Is a, it sounds like a contradicting statement. God knew exactly where they were. He's asking, where are you, Adam, for Adam's sake, to see what Adam's response was. But he, he comes to Adam and he says, why, why did you do this? Why did you, why did you sin? What was Adam's response? It was that woman you gave me. What my fault. She made me do it. And then when he, when he asked her, why did you do it? What was her response? you remember? It, it was the snake. It was the serpent. In other words, what my fault. It, it, the devil made me, that's what she said, the devil made me do it. And as you know, and I know we laugh about that, but, and don't get me wrong, I'm not making light of this, the enemy is a very powerful being. He is way more powerful than we are without God. Okay? But I think sometimes we give the devil way too much credit. Many of the problems that, that are in our lives are not a result of the devil. They're a result of our own bad choices that really he had nothing to do with. And we're going to talk a lot about this next week. Matter of fact, next week we're going to talk about the question I want to answer is how do we resist temptation? And this, this is crucial because a lot of people struggle with this. And they immediately will say, well, it's the devil's fault. It's the devil's fault. And if you never take ownership, and this is true with anything, if you, if you have addictions that you're trying to overcome, if you never admit where the problem really is, you're not going to be able to overcome it. And the devil can't make us do anything that we don't want to do. Real quickly, James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. This is the, one of the key verses next week. The apostle James says this, Each one, he's speaking about us, humans, is tempted. Let's preface this by what he says in the previous verse. He says, anytime someone is tempted, don't let them say that it was God who tempted them. Tempted them because God does not tempt us. He says, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. And entice. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. James is saying the reason that we sin is because we're drawn away by our own desires. In other words, we sin because we want to. We want it. We want to do that. Are are y'all tracking with me? I mean, sin is, is fun. Let's... Don't say, well, you know, sin stinks. No, it's fun, otherwise you wouldn't want to do it. But you're the one who makes that choice. 
The reason you sin is because you want to. And all sin, the Bible says, it begins with temptation. And temptation comes from our own desires. And once again, as, as I said earlier, we're going to spend the majority of our time here next week and talk about how, wh- where those desires come from. Because temptation comes from our own desires. How do we shape our desires? How do we shape what we think about and what we crave? But right now, our focus is on the question, where did evil come from? And my response is evil is is simply the absence of good. And when Adam and Eve chose not to do what was good and what was right, they became cursed, infected by sin. And everyone who is birthed through them, which is all of us, have been affected and infected by sin, are in in need of a Savior. Like a a terminal hereditary disease that gets passed down from the parents to the offspring. Sin and the effects of sin and the, the consequences of sin have been passed down to everyone who was birthed through Adam and Eve, which is all of us. We've all been tainted and affected by sin and are in need of a Savior. None of us are good. Not one. That's why the Bible says, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We were born into this this, um, this sin-stricken world. The only one who, the only person that's ever walked this earth who is not corrupted by this infectious seed is Jesus. And this is, man, I could, I could literally, I could spend another 30 or 40 minutes just talking about this. This is why the virgin birth is so important. And I know we talk about this at Christmas, and you know, he's born of a virgin, but none of us really, or not many of us really even entertain why that is so important. For one, he is, he, he is, he is God being born into the flesh, but it was only, remember, Adam and Eve as human beings had dominion over the earth. But they lost that to Satan. As a matter of fact, as soon as they, they sinned, what did God do? He, he removed them from the garden. Because He said, I can't let them go on in this condition. Otherwise, they're going to reach out and eat from the tree of life and live forever in this cursed state. So He removes them from, the, from access to the tree of life. And puts an angel to guard the way. And so, since it was through a human that authority was first given and then lost, it was only as a human that that authority could be gotten back. That's why God was born as a human. He was born God, fully man and fully God. He comes through the virgin birth so that His seed is not corrupted by the sin of man. And He lives a perfect, sinless life. Pays the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross, giving His life, so that if anyone would believe in Him, they should not perish. That means be eternally separated from God, but have everlasting life. God loved the world so much. One last scripture I want to share with you, and then we're going we're to transition and move on to baptism. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. says this, For God made Christ... Who never sinned. Neither was he corrupted by sin. Because that's why the virgin birth is important. 
He made Him to be the offering for our sin. Remember, the wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. It may not be instantaneous, but because of sin, we're slowly dying. To be the offering for our sins so that, here's why I did it, so that we, everybody say, that that means me, could be made right with God through Christ. Man, that 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 is awesome. That's awesome. Because of one man's sin, sin is passed on to everyone. And therefore the result of that is death. But through another man's obedience, being Jesus Christ, eternal life and righteousness can be passed on if we put our faith and trust in Him. That's why when we were singing that song a while ago, talking about the importance of being in Christ, now in Him I live. I'm not living of my own. I have crucified the flesh. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not me that's living, Paul says. But the life that I now live, I'm living by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I am in Christ. When God sees me now, He doesn't see my my sinful old ways. He sees me in Christ who is perfect, who was the, the, the sacrificial lamb that was slain so that I could be forgiven. Amen. So where does evil come from? Evil is the absence of good. God did not create evil. God created every created being with the opportunity to make their own choices. And when we choose not to obey Him, the result is sin. Why we make those choices, sometimes we don't know. I want to pray with you this morning and then then we're going to move on. If you're being baptized, um, go ahead at this time and... and, um, make your way out and then quietly come back in and sit up here towards the front. If uh, someone wants to sneak out and get the elementary kids, we usually try to bring them in here for baptisms. That would be great. But for the next few moments, I don't want you anybody looking around. I just want you to think about what we talked about today. And I know we, the last four weeks we've been talking about some interesting questions, but ultimately we talk about this to, to prove the goodness of our God and to prove why He has done the things that He has done. And, and sometimes we, our, our answers... Uh, we get to a place where we say, I don't know, but there are other, th- other times when we're on a journey to answer this question. Our research leads us to even see how much truer that God's Word is now that we have pursued other questions. And His Word is true. His Word is life. And He is real. He is the, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's created all of us for, the, for His ultimate glory. And one day, every one of us are going to stand before Him and give an account for how we've lived our life. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus or you're not currently living your life as, as God wants us to live according to His Word, your only response today is to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life and make you new. And if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Scott, that, that's me. I, I'm not living my life the way that I know that God wants me to, or I've never surrendered my life to Christ, and today I want, I, I want to know this God who's my creator. I, I want to get to know Him in an intimate way. I just want you to simply raise your hand and put it right back down. Is, is there one that's in this room? Praise God for that. Yes, I see your hand. See your hand. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, for the one who has raised their hand, and even for those maybe in this room or who would watch this online who, who maybe didn't raise their hand, God, but they are, they are questioning um, where they stand with you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit 
would do the work that only He can do and begin to convict right now and begin to draw them to You. Lord, I ask that that they would call upon You today and, and ask You to forgive them of their sins and come into their life. That they would repent today of the way that they've been living and choose to live by Your Word and Your standards. God, I pray that as they do that, that You would comfort them with Your with your arms of love and just envelop them this morning, God, with your, with your mercy and grace and let them see, God, that now that they're children of God and, and will live the rest of their life for you. God, I pray that all of us would grow in our walk with you, that we would all take our next steps to be the person that you've called us to be, that we would pursue everything that you have for us and that we would be able to answer and to respond to every critic who would try to weaken our faith We thank you for this time that we spend the word. And God, we celebrate as we get ready to take our next steps today and and witness other people growing closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.